Let's pray together. God, we're thankful today for the opportunity to worship, to lift up your name and to read from your word, to pray together, to hear about your work being done, and now to open your word. And we pray that uh, you'll allow it to speak into our hearts. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was a kid and we had some kind of, uh, you know, brush from outside or we had something big from the house that needed to be thrown away, we would go over to County Farm Road in Marietta, Georgia and go to the Cobb County landfill. And we would just dump it, you know. And it wasn't long until the landfill we usually went to was closed because it was full and they moved across the street and it was a much bigger landfill. And guess what? It's full too. And so now on County Farm Road there are two big mountains of trash covered in grass that were once where we put the garbage. Now that's happened all over the country. I mean, lots of communities have that because 20, 30, 40 years ago, more than that, we didn't even think about it, right? We just took the trash and we dumped it and that was that and we just moved on with life. But now we're beginning to recognize that there are consequences to some of those actions. That someone's going to have to deal with that and there's limited resources and we don't want mountains of trash just everywhere around us. So... What do we do? We deal with that in consumption issues too, right? Like oil. We use a lot of oil in our country. And where does it come from? And we begin to deal with the questions of the people that we're doing business with. And do they have our interests at heart at all? Or is it all about them? And we're recognizing some of them are pretty dangerous people that we're dependent on. What do we do about that? You know, we're beginning to realize that these issues matter and that the church has to respond to some of them. And the the typical response of the church, I think, has been in one of three categories. One is a lot of Christians have, have just said, well, you know, I'm just not worried about it. This is a big world and there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of place to put the stuff that's left over when we use those resources and we just sort of put our head in the sand and pretend the problem is not there. But But I think for many of us, our experience and science has begun to teach us that's just not a viable solution to the problem. It just encourages the problem to increase. And then there are other people on the opposite end of the extreme who say, I'm going to disconnect from all that and I'm going to protest and I'm going to tell people they shouldn't use electricity and oil and that's all well and good, but I like some of those things like electricity and living indoors, and oil, and all that stuff, being able to put gas in my car. Most of us are not going to go down that road. And then there's a third group who says, God said this is yours, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to trust God to provide. Well again, I guess I understand the premise, but God, got, God also gave us a brain to use to understand that our actions have consequences. So we can't just ride that out. So what do we do? How do we as Christians and as a church respond to these issues? One of the lines in our new mission and vision statement is that a church that loves God, a church which loves God, cares about His creation. If we're really a group of people who are devoted, sold out to Jesus Christ and to the God who sent Him to be among us and to down a cross, then we're going to be sold out to the creation that God provided for us. So what are our responsibilities? Are there any? What's our relationship to the creation that God has put us in the middle of? How do we respond to that? To get at some of those answers, 
I'd like us to turn to Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the whole story. And as we look, at th- at we look through this first chapter today, I'd like us to think more in terms of the theology, the thinking that's there. What does it say about the God who created? What does it say about us as part of that creation? And what is our relationship to that creation? Now, if you're interested in sort of the scientific relationship to this, let me encourage you to come Sunday night, tonight at 5.30. Dick Walmsley's teaching a great class about that relationship. That would be great for you. We're looking at it in sort of a different way today than that science arena. We're going to begin right at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the words that are used there to describe the earth in its earliest form, things like, in verse 2 primarily, formless, empty, darkness, deep, and waters. Those five words all pointed to one thing for an ancient Israelite. Chaos. It's formless. It's continually changing form. It has no static form. That says chaos. When they heard the words deep and water together, they thought of what we call the Mediterranean Sea, the Great Sea. And they were not a seafaring people, so they were afraid of it. They didn't know what was in it. They didn't know the danger that was there, and so they stayed away. This was chaos to them. Now that's a theme that runs all the way through chapter 1. Because throughout this creation account, we see God moving creation from chaos and disorder to order. That's the process that chapter 1 is all about. And we see it in two steps, days 1 through 3 and days 4 through 6. What happens in those days? Day 1, God separates darkness and light. God begins to bring order in its most basic form to creation. And darkness, which represented the chaos and the disorder versus light, chaos and and, and darkness would be fear, light, we can see what's going on, we understand what's happening around us, God begins to bring order. Day two, God separates the water. The water on the earth from the water in the sky. He creates sky. So God is creating space for what's coming later in the creation story. Light and darkness, space between sky and earth. And then day three, God begins to separate out land from sea, giving us a place. God is creating space for the things he's about to create. <clears throat> create. So, things take their place in days one through three. Light and darkness, the waters separate, ground opens up, and then God begins to fill that space. Day four, God takes light and darkness and he fills them with sun and moon and stars. And that increasing complexity of creation, only God at work could make this happen. The galaxies begin to form in the intricacy that they have, the complexity that is there. We look at that and we can't imagine the size of these things. It is beyond our comprehension. And then day five, God begins to fill the sky with with birds and He begins to fill the sea with all the creatures that live there, fish and other things. And then day six, the complexity continues as the dry ground is filled with animals. And God steps back and sort of speaks to Himself. Let's create humanity. And the complexity that we think of in space, that's far bigger than we can imagine, 
all the way down to the very smallest things that we have discovered, the particles that make up an atom do not compare to the complexity that we find in your brain. The ability to to listen to communication that's verbal, the ability to see, the, the, the opportunity to imagine and create, and there's logic there, and all those things that we don't fully understand how it even happens. God created in us. And then we find this. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, and then remember this, subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. What do we learn? God created us male and female to fill the earth. And he says to subdue it. To rule over it. Literally to have dominion. As a king has dominion in his kingdom, we have dominion in the earth. Now, what does that mean for us? And some people might say, well, that means we get, to, we get to be in control. We get to command how things happen. We get to use this any way we see fit. But for an ancient Israelite, when they thought of a king, they thought of David. They thought of someone who was not there just to use the kingdom for his own benefit, but acted in God's place as God's subordinate to care for the kingdom. To look out on the kingdom and be the one to protect it. And so we are much like that, standing in God's place because we have been given this responsibility and this authority to take care of the creation that He's given to us to live in the midst of. To have dominion over means to be a caretaker. We have a responsibility. So what does that teach us? It teaches us That creation is a trust. What do I mean? I mean, when you put your money or your securities or anything else in a trust, we're saying, okay, I'm going to give that to someone else to care for it. And that's just what God has done with creation. He's given it to us to care for, to take it and to use it for our benefit, but also to preserve it so that it can be given to those who follow on behind us. Creation's a trust. How does that affect the way that we live? How does that affect what we do with creation? We've struggled a little bit with this line that a a church which loves God cares for His creation because, you know, that's a big subject, right? And so, what does that mean for us? There's no way that any individual in this church or even us together, there's no way that we as a body can solve all these sort of environmental and ecological issues What we have to do is say, what can I do? What can my family do? 
How can we take responsibility for the way that we're using things and the way that we're dealing with what's left over after we consume? And so, you know, I have to think about, wow, there's a lot of bags that we bring home from Walmart and Kroger and Aldi and all these places. What are we going to do with all that? Do I want it buried in the ground somewhere? Or should we recycle it? Same is true with aluminum cans and milk jugs and you name it. Do we have this responsibility to use those things wisely rather than just dispose of them? And what about the way we consume? Are there ways that we can cut down on consumption of things like clean water or oil for the sake of the creation that God's put us in the middle of? Even the team that that talked about this line in our vision statement, as we've been talking about, there was a team that talked through each one of those. And we didn't give them a lot of direction because we really wanted this to allow those teams to explore the topic and develop it because we didn't want them to just come up with the ideas that we sort of had set forth. We wanted them to think creatively, and they did. I mean, this team went all out. We had most of the teams gave us a page or two. This, this team gave us a whole report back of things that we could do to think about the creation that we live in. And, and we were, we're working through some of that. I mean, there's some big topics there. We were in the middle of the playground and some things with the building. We've completed some of those. They recognize the need to take care of the property in some ways that we haven't in the past. Things like signage that we're working on even now. They thought about how we could be more environmentally sound, how we can recycle better, which we need to look at as well. But they also recognize the need that we're seeing over and over that Vision Way Christian School is out of space. There's nowhere else to go. That many times in church, we're sort of creating space as as, as we can to find places to meet. What are we going to do about that? And do we have a plan? And so we're thinking through, what does that look like? And if we need more space, what would be the, the best way to do that that would encourage us to be taking advantage of the opportunities God has given us to reach out, but also to do it in a way that's healthy for the creation that we're in the midst of. So those are all issues that we're working for. Now, here's part of the message, I think, for us, though. There's all kinds of organizations that are out there that are, you know, saving the planet and scolding us for what we're doing and all those things. Some of that stuff is fun. But here's what sets the church apart from all that. We're here not just to save the planet. That's not our primary goal. Our primary goal as Christians and a community of faith is to worship God and to serve Him. And we approach this from the side that we see creation as something that is valuable to God. In fact, he said, it is very good. And because of that, and because God has given us the responsibility to subdue and rule over the creation, we feel a responsibility to it. Because it's God's. And we might come to some of the conclusions that other groups do. I don't know, that doesn't even matter. What matters is we as a church see this as something that is God's and that changes our perspective. And if it's perfectly in our mission statement. Because if we say we love God, we value what God values. And God clearly values His creation. He's very open about that in the story that we read. And also, we value other people. We love God, and we love others. And our children, and grandchildren, and the next generations that are coming behind us, 
We want to preserve creation. We want to take our responsibilities seriously so we pass it on to them in a way that it's still healthy and vibrant. So, for each one of us, we have to think, what could I change? What could we do different that would honor God's creation? What could we do that would create less waste? What could we do that would be more careful in consumption? What could we do that would make something more beautiful? Those opportunities are all around us to make God's creation beautiful. And what I'd like you to do this week is continue taking pictures. Where do you see beauty in God's creation? How is your family working to, to, be, to take responsibility for the creation that's sort of part of your life? And take those pictures, post them on the Facebook page, tag them like we have been, so we can share those ideas and really show that we do care about God's creation. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the beauty of creation that you've set us in the middle of. We're thankful for the fact that you've given us what we need and you've provided for us. But we also pray you'll help us to have the courage, that you'd help us to have the, the strength to honor what you've given us, to take responsibility for it. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.